0: This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi.
1: Okay. So the next paper I have is um, one on anti-seizure medication at discharge in infants with HIE. It's an observational study. The first Mm -hmm. author here is Liz Sewell, who's from memory. Um, But this is really the NICHD group, the NRN, that published this article. And I think it's an interesting uh – Yeah.
2: I, I want to give a few mentions of the the list of authors. Number one, uh, Sita, Sh- Sita Shankaran is second author, so um, mm-hmm. a massive name in the in the context of cooling and HIE. Um, I think uh, Natalie Metre is also on there. Ravi Patel is last author. Abbott Laptok is on there. Uh, Shannon Hamrick, who was on the podcast as well, I always mm-hmm. very much appreciate to see uh, Ira um, Adams Chapman on there as well. Um, her work continues to live on. Uh, so this is uh, yeah, this is a paper that that's uh, worth checking out.
1: Okay. So um, just, yeah, the background here is that obviously I think we're all aware that these anti-seizure medications that we use in the NICU can be neurotoxic and the duration for treatment of acute symptomatic seizures in newborns is really variable. So the article does a great job showing the variation of this within centers. Um, And in 2011, the WHO recommended to consider early discontinuation of anti-seizure medications in newborns with normal neurological exams and EEGs. However, there's a lot of um, uh, variation, like we talked about, uh, that occurs. And um, this, this, topic actually has been studied by another author, Hannah Glass, published in 2021, looking at data from a neonatal seizure registry for varying etiologies of acute symptomatic seizures that suggested that discontinuation prior to discharge did not increase the risk of functional disability or epilepsy at 24 months. So, the author group here, the question they ask is, What is the association between discharge with or without anti-seizure medications and death or moderate to severe disability in infants with HIE and seizures?" Um, so, the study design is, is unique. They looked at three different trials, combined them together. This is over a 14-year span. So, it's a retrospective study of infants enrolled in the induced hypothermia, which is 2000 to 2003, the optimizing cooling, 2010 to 2013, and late hypothermia, 2008 to 2014. And these trials were conducted at 22 of the NICHD network centers. The inclusion criteria for all three trials were pretty similar. So two of the studies, the ge- it was gestational age of greater than or equal to 36 weeks, presence of acidosis or a sentinel event with moderate or severe encephalopathy within six hours. And then the other study was identical, but the randomization could occur at six to 24 hours postnatal age. And the analysis included um, infants with documented clinical or uh, electrographic seizures, treated with anti-seizure medications who survived to discharge. It was regardless of hypothermia treatment. And one thing to note here is that the continuous e- use of continuous EEG and seizure management was per the individual center or a clinician. There was no protocol to standardize that. And also that the specific type and dose and duration of the anti-seizure medications were not collected. So, obviously, they excluded all um, patients that didn't have documented anti-seizure medications at discharge or if there was any missing documentation, Um, and they did a very... robust statistical analysis. They accounted for, you know, the severity of the HIE, hypothermia treatment, the five-minute APGAR score, uh, birth year, discharge on tube or gavage feeds, any use of EEG, and then the center. So there was some control for that. And they also had an expanded model that included sex and abnormal neurologic a discharge exam, and they went even further and did a sensitivity analysis, um, including only infants who had an EEG performed, adjusting for the presence or absence of electrographic seizures, and then a secondary se- uh, sensitivity analysis that was the same, including the sex and abnormal neurologic disorder charge exam. So, the results were, um, they had 740 infants that were enrolled in these NRN hypothermia trials, 302 met inclusion criteria, and of these, 61% or 184 were continued on anti-seizure medication at discharge. And so, one of the nice um, figures that they have there is they they mapped out all 22 centers, and there is a range from 13 to 100 um, percent in terms of what what centers you know kept their kids on anti seizure medications at discharge, and that's a huge range. So it just shows the variation of care. Um, they they also looked at maternal and neonatal characteristics, and when you look at that table, the intrapartum. Partum complications were slightly higher in those discharged home on anti-seizure medications. Um, they also had a table looking at the hospital course that showed pretty similar um, outcomes. But severe HIE presented in 24% of those discharged on anti-seizure medications comp- compared with 22% of those discharged without. So there really was no difference in severe HAE. Um, when they looked at the abnormal neurological exam, 57% were discharged home on anti-seizure medications versus 46%. Without. Um, And where there was a little bit of a difference is discharge with gavage or tube feeds occurred in 27% of those discharged home on anti seizure medications versus 19% without. The primary outcome was death after discharge or moderate or severe disability, Um, and that occurred in 44% of the infants with anti-seizure medications at discharge versus 28% without, so actually higher in those that were discharged home on anti-seizure medications. Um, And then, you know, one of the other outcomes that they looked at, obviously, they looked at the combined death or, or moderate Slash severe disability. But then then they also looked at death alone and then the outcomes looking at the Bailey 2 and Bailey 3 scores uh, for cognitive and motor. And and there was really no difference when you looked at those separately. Um, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, They looked at parent reported post discharge seizures. So, with the parent report, there, 36% of infants discharged on anti seizure medications reported a a seizure versus 13% without um, anti seizure medications. Um, And then among infants with EEG, performed, the adjusted odds ratio between anti-seizure medication at discharge and the primary outcome was 1.79. And in the sensitivity analysis limited to just 96 infants with the electrographic seizures, the odds ratio was 1.42. So, in the discussion, they talk about, you know, this WHO recommendation that came out. It said, you should really discontinue anti-seizure medications without a taper after 72 hours with a, without a seizure in infants with a normal EEG and neurologic exam. Um, and they sort of dug in deeper and said, well, some of the data we're looking at was prior to this recommendation. So that could have played a role. And then also um, the uh, the, the fact that some of these anti-seizure medications, such as Phenobarb, make that neurological exam sort of challenging, um, that, and that could have played a role uh, there. Um, so the limitations to the study really, I mean, they did not look at the type. Dose or duration of any of the anti-seizure medications. They didn't look at seizure burden burden on outcome because of the lack of data. Um, And then, of course, the seizures that were reported by the parents were subject to bias. And we really couldn't um, differentiate between the type and frequency of post-discharge seizures. Uh, But in conclusion, infants with HIE and seizures, uh, discharged home on anti-seizure medication really varies throughout centers, um, and it's substantial, and it could be associated with a higher risk of death or disability. And the important thing to note here is that this patient population has a really low risk for epilepsy, um, and the data here suggests that some of the infants with resolved seizures associated with HIV. HIE may not warrant potential risks of continuing the anti-seizure medication at discharge. Um, but as all good studies, there we still need more. So further mm. studies are needed on the efficacy, long-term effects of anti-seizure medication, as well as identifying which patients are at higher risk of epilepsy that may warrant that continuation of medication. Um, And that research on the factors that impact clinical decision to continue or discontinue medication uh, would be meaningful, and this could be an opportunity for some evidence-based practice recommendations. Um, So I thought, yeah, this was an interesting study where you know we sort of have have a recommendation. Like, are we in line with it? It really is variable per center. Mm.
2: Um, I want to any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I want to just. Just uh, emphasize something you said that the the risk of seizures is increased in HIE, but what they mentioned is that the risk of epilepsy, mm-hmm. right? So that the, that's that's really a critical difference, and, and you mentioned it correctly. But I want to just make sure people don't um, mm-hmm. misunderstand what we're talking about because it's the risk of epilepsy that we're looking at now. I think this is a this is to me a very interesting paper. Um, I think you you read the title, you read some of the paper, and you're like, okay, so maybe like the babies who get discharged home on uh, anti-seizure medications are just a kid with severe HIE, you know, and they're the sicker ones. Mm-hmm. But when you look at table two, and you look at their hospital course, the comparison groups are pretty much, uh, very much similar, right? So. Yeah um, uh, uh s- similar numbers of, of kids with severe HIE in both groups, uh, similar numbers of kids who had hypotension, similar number of babies with pu- uh, persistent pulmonary hypertension, similar groups in, in, uh, their length of stay in their uh, so on and so forth. So that's something that's, that's, that was very interesting. I do think that the biggest, um, uh, weakness of the study is really the fact that they were limited in having access to the, the presence of EEG mm-hmm. seizure uh, among the infants who received, who had an EEG. So obviously not everyone has an EEG and, and some of them uh, who do then may have seizures on EEG. And then they were saying how they were missing uh, data for 68 infants, because obviously if a baby still has seizure on an EEG, then maybe that's a reason to send a baby home on anti-seizure medications. However, I think what's interesting to me is that HIE is so traumatic for patients and families Mm -hmm. that as soon as we reach some stability... We're very inclined to say, oh, you know, just like just just get this family to take this baby home and finally end this ordeal, right? And you're like, and if you are still on Kepra or if you're still on phenobarb, depending on what you use, you win. You win this as an outpatient, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, at least now this family gets to come. But you're looking at this data, and you're like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we should just do a to make an effort to to win them before they go home, especially if there's not. I, I think. If you have a complex baby that's seizing that potentially could have epilepsy, then it's a whole different ballgame. But how many times do you start them because they get cooled or because they initially have a seizure, and then you're like, well, you know, like we'll we'll sort everything else out, and this you'll figure out with a neurologist as an outpatient. Um, very interesting, very interesting data from mm-hmm. the NICHD. What do you think that? And
1: they did. I thought you know we did this a seizure uh, article a few weeks ago when we did this. It may it may have been last month, but they did include clinical and and mm-hmm. electrographic seizures, which I do think is important. I mean, there's a shift, right, in this – this the, the earliest study here was 2000. That was like 23 years ago. There's been a shift in management. Mm-hmm. There's been a shift in the use of medications and what medications we're using. And so I do think that that, um, that was the difference here with the compared to the other studies that have previously been mm-hmm. done. Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't have much to add except – that you know we don't we don't have a consensus i've worked with like a dozen neurologists and they all have a different idea about how to tackle this. so i do think um i think we are developed we have enough information to start developing some guidelines but to your point about families ben i think it makes us feel better not to rock the boat mm-hmm. but in my experience um the impact When we say to a parent, you have to go home on the seizure medication is actually not one of relief. (laughs) I I find that they do not want to go home with seizure medications. And I I think it adds an additional stress and burden on them. You know, we say, oh, the the seizure should resolve, right? They're part of this acute uh, situation. But we're going to send you on all these medications just in case. And so, I, in my experience, parents do not like going home.
2: I, I don't. I, no, I agree. I, I don't think that's that's what I meant to say. But saying that parents yeah. are happy to go home on anti seizure medication, I think that when we offer the prospect of saying, "Hey, everything is good. We are just on these medications. You can mm-hmm. go home now and wean this with the neurologist as an outpatient," or we can keep you an additional seven days as we wean your phenobarbital or something. Parents are like, "No, I'll I'll take my baby home right now and mm-hmm. I'll wean this." So while I don't think I don't think they rejoice at the idea. They they definitely <laughs> seize very often. Uh, my experience has been that they, they do seize the opportunity of going home right there and then and figuring out the weaning of this medication once they go home, rather than just keep staying in this dreadful place that the NICU is for seven days, just so that we can titrate slowly their phenobarb. Um, but yeah.
1: Well, and the WHO recommendation said, without a taper. So, I mean, I do, that's like, that's also a a controversy is I I remember those phenobarb weans and then having to teach the parents like, okay, we're going to do this time (laughs) and this time, then we're going to go down. And so it is complex. It's not like a, you just start it and then you stop. And so there's another question that's posed is do you I mean, for phenobarb, do you have to wean? I mean,
2: I think it. I think. I think what uh, you you did mention that in the presentation, it's how long you've been on it. I think you said seventy two right. hours mm-hmm. and off. I think it's just like steroids. It's just like everything else. I think if you are right. on it for two weeks, then maybe maybe I will consult the pharmacist and the neurologist about a slower win. But it's true. If it's just forty eight hours, seventy two hours, then then let's do it. Let's just stop it. Yeah.